0: Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are. It's the Ryan Russillo Podcast and Week 14 now. Kyle, quick check-in. All right, good. (laughs) Yeah, I don't even want to talk anyway. Okay, all right, no problem. Uh, Today's episode of the Ryan Mussela Podcast and the Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you by State Farm. Getting great car and home insurance from State Farm at a surprisingly great rate. That's like drafting a player that becomes an all-pro. The real deal. State Farm agents provide personalized service so you can customize your insurance to fit your needs like a GM putting together their very own roster. You need a team that supports you, and State Farm's got a great one. In addition to agents, the award-winning mobile app helps manage coverage, pay bills, file claims, and more. With a great price and even greater service, State Farm goes from strength to strength. Choose insurance that always brings its A-game when you want the real deal. Deal. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. It's the Ryan rusilla Podcast presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA final starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action right now. You can check out the new and improved quick bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs and FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props player-assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming, so please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 and older, 18-plus in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. La Quinta by Wyndham has everything you need for your next business trip. From free high-speed Wi-Fi to fitness centers to free bright side breakfast with fresh waffles, eggs, and more, book direct at LQ.com. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Uh, a couple follow-ups on what's been going on with me, I'll, uh, I'll tell you. I had We had a little bit of a schedule change this morning, so it allowed a window for, uh, for a little leg day before the day got started. So I'm actually dripping in sweat. Just got done. But I started with... Uh, I've done some really stupid things in the last week. I didn't put any gloves or any wraps on, and I threw way too hard of a punch at a bag before I got warmed up, and I may have broken something in my left forearm, um, but there's no way to tell, unfortunately. So it's just, you know, we'll, we'll find out. And then um, today, a pretty heavy kick, and you know how I love those early morning muay Thai kicks, Kyle. Um, no warm-up whatsoever, and that's how I started my day, and I, I feel awful. So but i'm excited i'm I'm excited to be joined by you and i'll admit i went around and kind of listened to some of the the biggest podcasts in the industry and i would think why does this really famous person check in with their producer all the time but i do it with kyle because i feel like this is really the first time we've talked so i do it with you even though i think critically of other podcasts that do it so i don't know maybe i'm just an asshole
1: that seemed kind of backhanded i'm not gonna lie to you so i'm not gonna give you anything else no,
0: I don't mean it that way. I mean it as <laughs> I don't like it when I hear other people do it yet when I'm, I haven't really checked in with you at all because we don't spend a lot of time pre show. There's no pre show. I'm ready to go as soon yeah, as the mic is on. I've, I've prepped. So I don't, fresh I think you're taking the it the wrong way. Ready to go. Yeah. Fresh off the squat rack. We didn't realize that we would have time. Had to move the car around here at the, uh, the compound. Wow, and leading. Colin Cowherd. Yeah. Colin Cowherd invited me over last night. So, and it was funny because I was like, hey, man, it's a school night. Like, I got to get out of here. And uh, he was like, oh, that's that's too bad because he he wanted to treat it like it was spring break. Guys, out Whiskey of guy? no, he's a he's a he's a vodka guy. Oh, and, that's how he stays. stays so svelte. Yeah, that's why he's so skinny. Yeah, and it's great because his house is obviously amazing. And there's a bunch of people walking around in the neighborhood as I pulled up and he was standing there waiting for me just to make sure he knew what it was. And uh, I was like, "Ooh," I was like, I thought this would be nicer. And a couple people walking their dogs started laughing. <laughs> Everyone thought it was hilarious. So I really delivered on that line. I felt good about myself. And then the weird thing is, is I didn't bring a mask because um, I was just going to his house and I'm by myself. So I don't feel like I'm putting anyone else at risk. Although cowards all over the place. I'm just kidding. Um, but after that, I was like, Oh, I want to pick up some food because it was late and I was going to watch the second half. It wasn't that late, but I was going to watch the second half bill Steelers. Cause I watched the first half left at halftime. Cause I have to write out all this stuff for your enjoyment. And, I was like, man, I didn't bring a mask in the car, and now I actually can't get takeout. So, you know, just a lesson. Make sure you keep a mask in the car. So, I don't know if that was good or not. Damian Woody is going to join us. We'll do life advice, but we start, as always, the awards. Okay, the first award this week is the Your Father Playing Video Games Award, and that's going to go to LA Chargers head coach Anthony Lynn. Uh, Those of you that have played video games, maybe you're home, especially now around the holidays, your dad's like, hey, let me try that out. and You're like, no, no, dad. It's the wrong button. You got to hit this button. I'm hitting that button. You're not though. Yeah, I am. No. I know you think you are, but you're not. You keep calling timeouts. Yeah, it's the wrong button. Well, it's the controller. Dad, it's not It's definitely not the controller. When you drop back to pass and you hit this button, that passes to that guy with that little number ahead of or that 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 symbol. Well, I'm hitting the right button. You're not. You've called three timeouts on this possession. All right. So we understand how frustrating that is to watch anybody else play video games. That's maybe trending a little bit older. Uh, We had a play yesterday in the Chargers-Falcons game. By the way, the Chargers won this game against Atlanta, which is the the scariest thing of all the reaction. And that is this play, down 17-10, right before the end of the first half. The clock has stopped at 22 seconds. It's third and one. And... The Chargers run it up the middle. I actually thought the running back got it for the first down. So the idea was maybe they could then spike it, stop the clock first down. It'd be second down, obviously, with 17, maybe 15 seconds left. Maybe you get two shots of the end zone and then kick the field goal. They end up spotting them short. Chargers have no timeouts left. And so the play actually stops around 17, 18 seconds on the game clock, but nobody knows what to do. Are we throwing it for the end zone? Obviously, we can't spike it, although we've seen that happen a few times in college football this year. No one knows what's going on. So the offense actually goes to line up as the clock is ticking. They probably could have ran that play, like I said. Um, But then you're like, what's going on? So about six, seven seconds left. The field goal team comes on while the offense is still out there. The kicker actually got the kickoff, but it was after, and it didn't matter because it was a legal procedure because there was just a bunch of people out there, and nobody knew what the hell was going on. And Anthony Lynn's yelling at his OC, basically saying, like, why do we run the football? Um, And it's just a mess. And the problem is, is if you're a Chargers fan, I'm, it's almost like historic with this franchise, which doesn't make any sense. Like it, it you shouldn't have a franchise that's just doomed historically on special teams, considering the kind of player and coaching turnover. Like there's just no way. I remember as I've, I've pointed out over the years, I think it was like 07, 08, 09, 10, you know, whatever. There was about a two or three year stretch where I thought the Chargers had the most talented roster. You'd look at their efficiency on offense. It'd be great. You'd look at their efficiency on defense. You go, look how good they are on defense. Look at all these talented players all over the place, all these great guys up front. And they would be like nine and seven and not do anything. And you go, oh, their special teams is terrible. Their special teams is even worse now. So let's look at Lynn's resume as you we are trying to figure out what the hell is going on. And everybody on the internet's freaking out on the Chargers. Nine and seven, twelve and four. I gotta admit, I forgot they went twelve and four. Now they beat Lamar, who was really bad in that Ravens playoff game and then became the MVP. They got smoked by the Patriots, down 38-7 in that game. All right. They went five and eleven last year. They're four and nine now, but their four wins are Cincinnati, Jacksonville, the Jets, and Atlanta. Atlanta's probably a better team, like a tougher team to play week in and week out than their record. Like some of these teams have awful records. You go, whatever. I think Atlanta's always a little bit better um, just because of Matt Ryan. But Those aren't four impressive wins. Uh, We also know that this part's even worse for Lynn is they're the first team in NFL history to blow leads of at least 16 points in four straight games. No one's ever done that. That's what they did at the beginning of this year. Their special teams is last in a lot of defensive metrics, um, depending on what you look at. And again, it's not just defensive metrics. It's special teams metrics. They are so bad that they're almost twice as bad based on the math that I was looking at this morning than the next worst team on special teams. And that's the Minnesota Vikings. Like their gap between 31 and 32 is large enough to cover for the, the, the disparity between like 10 teams that are ranked. They're so bad. Okay. Versus New England last week when they got absolutely smoked against a Pats team that actually can't move the football and doesn't have a great defense. Patriots defense is actually statistically pretty bad. Um, The Pats lined up for five punts. The Chargers had the wrong number of players on three of those five punts. Twice they didn't have enough men on the field. One time they had too many. Okay. And they gave up a penalty. Patriots first down. Patriots are up or on just on special teams and screw ups by. uh, the Chargers. They gave up a huge return. They gave up a touchdown. They missed two field goals. They had one that was blocked for a touchdown. Mike Sando said in his pick six piece, which I love, and I have another quote coming from um, here a little bit later from The Athletic, that it was the worst special teams game that you could track in the last 20 years. So they started tracking this stuff for the last 20 years. There's no game. There's no single game. A team has been any worse on special teams than the Chargers were against the Pats. And that leads us to this, like, is Anthony Lynn just this bad at it? Because whenever I think of bad coaching, I defer to either beat people or people that really know what's going on, like players that played against or played for someone. I think a lot of us are guilty of, oh, this team isn't playing well. The coach stinks, you know, play calling. I'm just not a, hey, this guy's play calling sucks guy unless it's painfully obvious. But this was... Such an obvious, this is different than protection. This is different than game planning. I don't really like when coaches at lose go, oh, I got out. Coach, Tell me why. They're never going to say it. They give us the cliche. and We're like, okay, he took blame. Okay, he's cool now. Because if you don't say that, then something's wrong with you. We ask these guys to say these boring things over and over and over again as if it checks some box that we know that they're accountable when they're usually just saying it to say it. Uh, in this case, all of us are watching that play going, what is wrong with this team? And if Lynn is out, this is the kind of thing that you're going to go ahead and point to. Everybody seems to like Anthony Lynn. I don't know how many of you remember you know, being on those Broncos teams that won Super Bowls years ago. Uh, he's had an incredible story. Um, you know, he got hit by a car. And then, they, you know, he was, he was rescued. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff. And then even watching him in Hard Knocks, you're like, I kind of like this guy. But, like any industry and I'm not even saying this is Lynn, but I would say my industry, and it's not specific to times at ESPN, it's not specific to other times that I've worked for, for television stations or radio stations. Um, I would say it's even the case with agents, stuff with Hollywood studios, You know, maybe in your industry, depending on what it is, the special industry, stuff where you'd go, it's really hard to get these jobs and it's even harder to get to the top. There are just a lot of times where you're going to go, I can't believe this guy has this job. Like, I can't believe it. And it happens. I mean, there are times you'll talk to somebody who you know, for a living evaluates players and you go, what the hell is going on? Like this person thinks this, you know, it's not just a difference of opinion on a player. And I'm not even saying who that, 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 that's really Anthony Lynn, but it's just so much worse when you watch something like that. And they won this game, but no one's going to care because if he loses his job, that's going to be the play that's attached to his coaching resume. <laughs> the next award is the Jeff Van Gundy award. And that goes to the Kansas city chiefs, the Jeff Van Gundy award. Just so we all understand we're all on the same page, huge, This is a huge Jeff Van Gundy podcast. I'm just a big fan of him uh, because I think he's the best analyst in basketball and I don't think it's close. That's my rule whenever I say somebody, or somebody says, hey, I don't think it's close. It's actually really close and debatable. So I should just say something else. I just don't anything, you know, look, Van Gundy's the best. He is not going to debate it with you. All right, now when Van Gundy was calling games and the Warriors were putting together this run, they had Durant, and it was nuts. He, He had said a bunch of versions of the same quote Uh, One of the quotes was, the Warriors are going to win forever. If everything stays the same, the season is over. Um, And you know how it's going to play out. The Warriors are going to win. And then they're going to win the next year. It's going to be the same thing. All right. The reason I give this to the Chiefs, and I'm not the first person to make the Chiefs-Warriors comp here at all because it's just just been out there. I don't know if the first person was to do it, um, so I'm not taking credit for it. But it feels that way. And it hammered home last night watching the Bills and Steelers where I go, I'm supposed to like one of these teams to beat the Chiefs. Now, the Bills run and their win. I mean, they basically had shut out the Steelers. They had the fumble, two play drive, touchdown for Pittsburgh. They score 23 straight. And then, you know, the end of the very the very end of the third quarter, the Steelers get the touchdown. But they've kind of shut them out for almost three quarters of football, other than the short field turnover. And the Bills for all the Josh Allen love, which is well-deserved because he's really carrying this team. And I, I wonder how many people will kind of reference. You know, I always kind of argue that not as many guys watch as much as you think. So if you watch just last night, you're thinking Steelers come in and hey, that Bills defense, there you go. Like, it's just cold. Sometimes we're really stupid about it. If it's a cold weather city, we'll be like, oh, man, they're just grit. They just grind it out. He's going to hit you right in the mouth. Yeah, their defense is average, actually. The Defense was really good last year. Bill's defense this year is middle of the pack. The rushing attack, not that great. Um, they're like 23rd in rushing, depending on some of the numbers that you want to look at there. This is almost all Josh Allen. Stephon Diggs has been incredible for him. I like some of the players, some of their personnel on defense. But last night, was not the norm they're usually not that salty defensively and i'm not even off of pittsburgh because i don't think it's fair to sit here with pittsburgh and go hey they sucked down because they lost to washington and buffalo um i'm not going to do that with them And I also want to point out, when I was kind of dumping on Washington defensively, I'm just wrong about that. I was basically looking at the schedule, which is fair. uh, And then when you're a bad team and you're always losing, that people don't have to throw it against you as much. But the front, the personnel, what they've been doing on defense, the red zone defense right now is the number one in touchdown percentage coming into this weekend. By the way, you want to know who's last? The Kansas City Chiefs. They have the worst touchdown percentage allowed of any team in the NFL. But as I put all of these things together, and I get back to the Van Gundy point, I don't like doing this because there's a reason why we keep coming back to sports, because as much as we are going to think something is going to happen, we are constantly surprised. That's the whole point is that we we think we know and then we rarely do know. And when Van Gundy said that about the Warriors, as much as I loved that roster and love what they're capable of, you're like, look, it's just sports. They're not going to win seven titles in a row. And they didn't. You can make an argument. That it feels like the Warriors are maybe one championship shy of what they should have, maybe specifically 2016. Um, And with football, it's a one and done scenario. So it just seems ridiculous to think that the Chiefs are going to win five straight Super Bowls. If it weren't for offsides on D4, we could be talking about back to back and positioned really well now with the one seed to to do this again. And is anyone in the NFC scare you? I mean, that's kind of what I get back to. Buffalo, as great as the Josh Allen thing is this year, do you think they're going to keep pace with the Chiefs? You think the Steelers can keep pace with them with that offense? And some of their issues, and I'm not dumping on the Steelers. It's still a good team. They're probably going to win a playoff game. But I've never seen, I've never seen a team like the Chiefs have that big of a margin for error. I don't, I was trying to think. Even those Patriots teams, the early Brady ones were about defense. The later ones were about Brady. And some of those defenses weren't as good. They were really good defensively when they beat the Rams. They turned things around, but they had some runs there where the defense was being carried by Brady. And the Chiefs Like, they had four turnovers in that Miami game. And it still was like, all right, enough of you guys. Like, we're just going to put up numbers here. I mean, again, the picks for Mahomes. The third one was an insane play by Miami. The first two were tip balls. Maybe not the most accurate thing. So, yeah, the Warriors comp makes sense. They can come back in a way that we've never seen other teams come back. You feel helpless against them. You should be jealous of their fan base because they get to watch Mahomes play like this. But I'm probably going to pick the Chiefs for five straight years, knowing that every quarterback, if you do it for 15 years, you probably have one year that's lost to injury. So that could happen. But that's not really analysis. Hey, if Mahomes stays healthy, they have a chance. No shit. Um, But they're number one in point differential again this year. They were number four last year. By the way, I was looking at point differential. Baltimore was number one last year. They were 54 points better than number two new england and it was almost like 80 points better than number three their point differential was insane it was like 250 for the season um, and the chiefs again with the full season mahomes in 18 they were number two in point differential they have i believe the greatest margin of error for any football team i've ever watched the a block award that goes to everyone on the jalen hurts topic and i'm gonna include myself although i didn't make it the a i didn't make it the lead today for those that want to know how the industry works this isn't really that insightful actually a block makes a ton of sense. The A's are the things you would lead a show with. Every show I watched today led with Jalen Hurts. And they should, uh, because every show had led with Carson Wentz for the longest time, where it was basically nauseating. And when we had Chris Long on this pod every Monday last year, and I know a lot of you would be like, oh, Long's just sticking up for his guy with Wentz. But I think there were real arguments to be made that Wentz was doing it on his own. The number of Offensive options he had towards the end of the year with all their injuries and some of the guys they were just calling off the street, and then a Houston quarterback playing receiver. And you're like, what is he doing? And they actually ran off a bunch of wins and got into the playoffs. And then Wentz got hurt in the game against Seattle. And a good friend of the pod, Josh McCown, came in. Shout out to Josh. So coming into this year, you thought, all right, full season, healthier, you know, maybe some upgrades here or there. Although I don't know that any of us are still in love with their, their weapons. It was like, what's going And Wentz is even worse. So some of the numbers that you can make excuses for last year, it was hard to continue to keep making those excuses, and it fell apart. So Jalen Hurts comes in, and they beat the best team in the NFC in the Saints. They're 17-0 on them. It's arguably the best defense in the league, and I'm not the biggest Taysom Hill guy. That's well-documented, but at one point it felt like this game was going to completely turn around, and Hurts runs for over 100. He made a ton of great running plays on first down, and here we are. And every show led with this, and it's you got to pick a side right now. Um, Jalen, or Carson Wentz. And there's all sorts of elements to this argument. I was going to call it the Tim Tebow Award because it was going to become obsessive on talk shows, but nothing will ever touch the Tebow levels. That was, I think, one of the most annoying topics probably of my career. So I don't even want to do that to Jalen because I actually think Jalen has a better chance than Tebow, even though I've watched all of Jalen's college throws. And at Alabama, he was one read, not there, and run. It was never arm strength. It was never his physical. He's a, really strong kid, sick athlete, hard worker. His demeanor through everything that went on with Bama, he was incredible. And then he goes to Oklahoma, starts chucking around a little bit more, but I just wasn't sure. And I'm still not sure. Uh, From Sando's piece today, he talked to an offensive NFL coach. He said, quote, from what I saw, it'd be very easy to stop that kid. The Saints just weren't ready for some of the stuff they did. And he had some good runs. He had a couple of wild throws too. the next defense. will have a plan for it. And it'll be much harder on him. Maybe. And maybe that's an evaluator who wasn't high on Hurts and then looks at success and wants to diminish it. I might be a little guilty of that, but I also know that I probably watch more Jalen than other people have. So maybe he's turned this thing around. Maybe he's exactly what the Eagles need. Maybe he's a a guy that brings something that's not super easy for us to quantify. But you know what he is? He's better than Wentz right now. I I doubt Wentz is done with that contract. It's always kind of weird to go, wait, is this guy just done done? Because Wentz, if we go back to the timeline, 2017, we've been over it a million times. looks like he was going to win the MVP. He gets hurt, but then Foles ends up winning the Super Bowl. Did that mess up Wentz psychologically? They move on from Foles, which made sense. Foles got paid a ton of money to leave. Um, Wentz has 2018, then 2019, and now we're in 2020. And some of the epiphanies that I've had, or I guess I would say the one epiphany with, with Wentz, was I just realized like all of these people that I trust that are talking about Wentz. They're in love with the throws that he's capable of, but they're not really paying attention to his management of a game. Like He's just still doing a lot of stupid stuff and it got worse and worse and worse. So yes, there might not be anyone else that can make some of the physical throws that he makes, but you got to stop being blinded by that to what he's doing in the course of, of every single possession and some of the risks that he's taking. And he's getting worse and some some of the people that really had stuck their necks out there for Wentz started saying, well, you know, mentally to have fools win a Super Bowl. And I don't know that I'm not going to sit there and, and try to figure out where his head is at right now. And then um, they drafted Jalen Hurts. So that messed him up. Look, I hate that. Now, I'm not saying it's never happened, but don't argue exceptions. Of course, I'm sure there's some guy based on situation and the way the franchise did or didn't believe in him led to his success or failures. But I'd have to, my point would be this. If you're going to be really good, then it doesn't matter. You're just good. You're just good. Imagine thinking like, hey, I'm going to have a great year. Oh, my God, they drafted a quarterback second. All right, I'm just mentally, eh, this place doesn't believe in me. Now I'm shot. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I don't like it as the deciding factor why he hasn't been as good this year. So I don't know what's going to happen with Wentz. That contract seems like it can't it'd be like $60 million dead cap hit. I imagine Wentz gets another shot here with the Eagles. The Hurts story is nice, but it is a game, and I need to see a little bit more before I'm ready to start thinking that 2021 starts with Jalen Hurts behind center. Okay, Belichick-Brady legacy rankings update. I know what you think I'm going to do. I'm not. Bill one, Tom Brady two. Ryan. The Pats just got smoked by the Rams. God, that was ugly. The Pats have played 374 games with Belichick as head coach. Their offensive performance during that Rams loss ranked last among the 374 games in offensive EPA. So an argument can be made that of 374 games of Belichick as head coach, that's the worst offensive game they've ever had. But Bill is not quitting on his quarterback. Tom quit on New England. Legacy rankings impacted by loyalty. Bill won Tom two. Long time NFL offensive lineman with ESPN as an analyst. A guy we had on a bunch is Damian Woody back in the East coast. Okay. We got to start with it. Cause it, I made the joke that it's the a block topic and that is Jalen hurts. We've had to choose sides in this Wentz battle. What <laughs> side are you on? I've seen you guys all yelling at each other Orlovsky's probably worried about getting renewed now. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> hey, right. where, where are you on what we saw from Jalen, at least in his first start?
1: Well, I listen, I just think the offense just flows so much better. Um, I think when you look at what the Philadelphia Eagles did, first of all, they were committed to the run. I mean, they ran the ball right, you know, right down the Saints' throats, and that's not easy to do. Saints is probably, you know, their defense coming to the game was probably the best defense in the National Football League, and they just ran the ball all over the place. And a lot of that had to do with Jalen and his ability to, um, you know, move around, whether it's design runs or just, Making, making moves outside the pocket went when things were breaking down. So I, I just felt like there was a confidence, whether it was the play calling Doug Peterson or just the guys on the field where they didn't necessarily respond that way with Carson Wentz. Sometimes that happens when a new guy comes in, brings a, a spark to the offense.
0: I can't believe that Wentz is shot though. And it was awful this year. I mean, statistically, yeah. the worst guy that was playing regularly Last year, I think the excuses for him were valid, and they put together some wins. You know, it's not been a great division now for a little while, but are you even to the point where, like, I, as bad as it's been, I can't accept that now he just sucks forever and you couldn't even trade him or not. Like, like, where are you
1: with him in his future? No, I'm not off the winch bandwagon right now. I, I just, I, I honestly feel like part of it is when Frank Wright left to go to be the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, I think that really hurt him. I think that hurt the whole Eagles um, team, particularly on offense, because you know Frank Wright was, was in the quarterback room. And when you're dealing specifically with that room, those guys tend to know what's going on with your quarterback more so than any other person on the team. So I think the Philadelphia Eagles are really missing Frank Wright, missing what he brought to the table to that offense as it relates to Carson Wentz. And they need to figure this out because... Ryan, you know this as much as I do. The financial aspect of all this weighs just as much as what you do on the field. They can't part ways with him because of the the financial ramifications.
0: You're right. I mean, it would be a monumental hit on how you'd be able to to build out the rest of your roster. Uh, You know, in the NBA, even with all the financial stuff, I always feel like, well, you can figure out a way. I mean, the, the numbers, everything just works differently. It's a little bit more straightforward in the NBA. But I'd have to think that everyone is still looking at 17 and the close of 19. And even some of the times you saw him at 18, you're like, okay, whatever's going on with him. And he was that bad. Like I'm not making excuses for him this year. I'll never forget Eric Mangini. This is a good little sidebar. Like when we used to be at ESPN and we'd bring him in and I liked him, I, I didn't like him when I didn't know him. And once I got to like him, Mangini was like one of my favorite dudes. Yeah. And Man, Jeannie would always say, whenever you're a team without a quarterback and you're going over the market and seeing who's available, the person that at least has done it, like has done it for a season, like a Matt Castle type, you go, okay, at least there's something I can hold out hope for in that this person has done it. And if you're Philly, that's what you're talking yourself into, even if the evidence of this year
1: was as bad as it was. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because... Every time we talk about Carson Wentz, we always go back to, I believe it was, what, 2017? Yeah. When he basically he was like the league MVP. Yeah. That's you're what right. we always, every time we talk about Carson Wentz, we always reference that season because every like that memory that we have of that player is in there. It's in everybody's mind. So everyone is thinking, wait a minute. Yes, he's been stinking up the joint. But that player is still in there somewhere. We just gotta harness it and get and and somehow rehabilitate him and get him back to that form.
0: Were you with Mangini, or were you cashing checks with the Lions? <laughs> no, no, I, that was, I was after. That was yeah. after, right? Yeah. So
1: I, I was. Um, Mangini brought me to New York. That's with right. The Jets. Yeah. That's where you so were I was good with again. The one year. Yeah, yeah, and you know, obviously you know. I was with Mangini up in New England, so I mean, we're still cool to this day. What? What's it? Because I'm going to
0: bring this into the Anthony Lynn thing. I, I imagine you've had moments where you're like, you and the guys on the team are like, "What the fuck are we doing?" <laughs> 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 Dude, is that is that the Detroit years for you? Do you have an example of like? You know, these guys are professional. They had to have known something to get to this position. And I'm not even like necessarily on Anthony Lynn because it's pretty clear where there's an OC, you're like what are we doing wrong here? The special teams thing has been a disaster. But what's that moment like when guys on the team, the leaders are going, "Wait, are our guys just terrible at
1: this?" Right. <laughs> let me let me preface let me preface um let me let me say this first. I am so glad that I started my career off in New England because it really laid a foundation. I got the best coaching that a person could ever get, and and you as any player, when you've had good coaching, bad coaching is ten times worse. Like you see it like that. So when I went to Detroit, it was immediate. I'm like, fuck, <laughs> like I'm getting paid, but boy, this is gonna be this is gonna be a long haul. It's gonna be brutal, dude. They had. First of all, Matt Millen who was a GM at the time, he was asking me questions about personnel. What was what would New England do? And I'm and I'm sitting here thinking, "Wait a minute. If you're going to do all this, then I need to get paid as a general manager too, not just as a player." And then like we didn't we didn't practice situations. We had guys that would miss practice because they were out at strip clubs. Like it was so chaotic, man. I'm like this is why bad teams are perennially bad. Like, seriously. It is it, Wait, it, wait, wait. Back up, back up. Strip clubs, like what, what was going on? Were guys just calling in
0: sick, not making it to work the next day because they were like, out? Guys like,
1: wouldn't even show up. Like, guys would be missing like practice because they were out like at clubs and strip clubs and stuff like that. Man, it it man, it was so crazy. Like, and I'm sitting back thinking. How is this even going on in the National Football League where guys are just not showing up? This is crazy. But people would Especially know, like, how do you get away?
0: How do you get away with that, though? Like, how can you call? Like, some guys, if you're in a cube, you could probably stay out too late, call and say, I mean, you start doing it all the time. People are going to catch on. Like, you could do that with Lions? People had to have
1: known, right? Yeah, but the, pro- but the problem is, like, when you're a good player, what are they going to do? But yeah. People, what are they going to do? Like when you're a good player and you have a, a big contract, uh, there's not they're not going to cut you. Like there's nothing they can do, but fine you try to shame you a little bit, but that's about it. I'm
0: looking at this roster right now. I'm trying to figure out who it was. I'm going to guess Joey Harrington, but don't confirm it.
1: Don't say <laughs> just
0: don't say anything yeah. if it's him.
1: Yeah. Harrington was <laughs> such a such a renegade.
0: <laughs> i look, you're, you're right. Like there are times where I'm blown away and I'll hear a story. Like I'm going to be as vague as I possibly can be about this, but there was a guy, good player on a team. So there you go. Yeah. A guy, a guy <laughs> I knew was like, they sent me to go get him. Cause they knew he was cool with me yeah. and he hadn't been playing for a couple of weeks as he was hurt. He's like, I show up to his house. This, he and his boys were absolutely getting after it. Yeah. And he's like, look, we got a game tonight. He's like, they want, they sent me to come get you. They want, they want, they want me to know, like, do you want to play? And he goes, who do we got tonight? It was like, <laughs> so he said the name of the team and he was like, oh shit, McGrady. He's like, nah fuck that. He's like, I'll play. I'll see you guys Thursday. So he was just like, oh, I'm out of it. I haven't been playing much. He's like, and now I got to deal with McGrady. He's like, nah, we're good. He's like, I'll tell those guys, tell those guys I'll see him. And it happens and it, and it blows our minds because you think like, no way, no way.
1: Yeah, like I tell people all the time, like the stories that I could tell, like you wouldn't, you probably wouldn't believe it, but it's, it's absolutely true. Like these type of things happen.
0: All right. Um, Buffalo and Pittsburgh—that was the marquee matchup. I think that's what we were all really. There's a couple games that I want to get to here. This Buffalo, like that, was a great defensive performance from them. Do you come out of that game thinking either of these teams
1: are at the Chiefs level? Um. Well, before before the game, I said that the only team in the AFC, in my opinion, that that uh, that could really get at the Chiefs were the Buffalo Bills. I felt like Buffalo, they have firepower on offense. Josh, Josh Allen has been just been phenomenal this year. Um, he can do so much like inside the pocket, outside the pocket. They got weapons on the outside that can beat you a lot of different ways. And their defense is getting better. You know that you know, in past years, their defense has been like top two, top three. They took a little bit of step back this year, but they're starting to kind of get their footing if they continue to do that defensively with what they, the firepower they have on offense, they can abs- they can beat the chiefs. They can beat the chiefs. No question. I guess I'm just
0: look, Ken and will are two different things. I understand that you're saying Ken here, but do you ever yeah. see a weakness with the chiefs? Do you look at something and say, okay, that's something you could exploit.
1: It is so hard, man. Like, like, the Chiefs were down 10, and they didn't, they didn't even, against the Miami Dolphins, they didn't even bat an eye. It, didn't even, it wasn't even a problem. Like, all the, the announcers in the game was like, oh, my God, the Chiefs are down 10 to the Miami Dolphins. And the Chiefs were like, okay, watch this. And they just, all of a sudden, in a blink of an eye, was like up 24-10 or something like that. That's the thing about the Chiefs. They are so explosive across the board. Pick your poison. Who are you going to take away? They got four or five guys outside of the quarterback that can beat you on any given Sunday. It's just really hard to contain that team. And for me, in my money, it's the Chiefs against the field every week. I don't care who it is. Do you have problems
0: with the Steelers? Because a lot of people, even when they're undefeated, we're looking at it saying, hey, it's a limited passing game, although Roethlisberger put up the touchdowns. I love the receiving core. But Roethlisberger was just going to do things in a way that got the ball out quicker. So, look, it was all working. I mean, the team was undefeated. We like that front. We like that defense. But they can't run the football. They're in pads all week. By the way, an aside before you answer that. Is being in pads, does it actually make you tougher? I already know what
1: you're going to say. I think early in this, like, I always say it's a necessary evil. Like, training camp, yeah, you, I, I hate training camp. But, yes, it's a necessary evil. Um, this time of year, it doesn't make you tough. Like at this time of year it's a battle of attrition. Who's health who who do you have enough bodies to get a, get across the finish line? So you gotta measure put getting in pads over health. I want I want guys who are fresh to get to game day. That to me is the most important thing. The help with the pads, get me to game day. That's 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 sh- what should be the most important thing. Okay. All right. So Pittsburgh, I don't like when
0: people are like, oh, that's a flaw, that's a flaw. But is it a fatal flaw? Do you think their lack of running and some of the physical stuff that Tomlin was talking about is that fatal for them in the playoffs
1: I don't think I think they're they they, they're out of whack offensively they don't have any semblance of balance I think when you when you get to this time of year cold weather you know if you look at the teams that are at the top of the AFC pretty much almost all of them are cold weather places you got to be able to run the ball you know, I know we're all enamored with the quarterbacks and throwing it all over the place, but some things are tried and true. You got to be able to play some defense and you got to be able to run the ball. Pittsburgh doesn't run the ball. And they just, I think they substituted by throwing these short passes with, with Ben Roethlisberger, and it's just not going to um, – that's just not going to cut it. They're not, they're not explosive enough, you know, in the passing game to keep up with – a Kansas City or Buffalo. Um, so to me, that's where I think that's the flaw in, in Pittsburgh's game.
0: Yeah, they're, last, they're second to last in yards per carry, second to last yards per game. But um, I'm not, I, don't know, I feel like because they've had now two losses, it's going undefeated. Like people are totally off of them. And it's like, okay, is it a fatal flaw? Like you don't think they're good? Or are we still comparing everyone to the Chiefs, which is a problem for any of these teams that we're looking at? The Tampa Bay Bucks get a win where well, that was a tough win. It looked like Minnesota was going to start running the football on them. Um, yep. Minnesota's had moments here. They've turned the season around. There are 500 coming in. But once things sort of clicked for Tampa, it felt like it were two completely different teams. And the fact that Dan Bailey, I don't I don't know what that's. What's the maddest you've ever been at a kicker? Have you ever sworn at a kicker?
1: I don't know if I've ever sworn at a kicker. Um, he missed three. I think, three. My, I, think I, I think over my career, I've had some. Oh, wait. I've played yeah. with them, some really <laughs> good kickers, whether it was Adam Vinatieri. I played with Scott, Hans- uh, Scott Hansen, um in Detroit. No, Jason Hansen with Detroit, who played for forever. Um, uh, Nick Folk, I played with, um, what's his name on CBS? Um, Feely. Jay Feely. I played with some good kickers. I didn't have any reason to cuss anybody out as far as kickers are concerned. But, damn it, if you miss four kicks in a game, oh, I- we-, we might have to come see you. <laughs> like you like we might have to come see you in, in the locker room because can you imagine busting your behind the whole game and you kick them four field goals Four, that's crazy. No, nah. that's a problem.
0: All right. Have you seen enough with Tampa that you can you can look at them, uh, you know, look going into it. And you're like, wait, they're seven and five. Like, wait, and I know they've gotten smoked in some of these marquee games that I've been over, so it almost feels even worse. But I still feel like that record, I'm like, man, like I just, I expect more from them. And it's not even just on Brady. I like the personnel on defense. Obviously, I love some of the personnel on offense as well. But there's just been moments where it, they've had just these awful, awful games. And even with the, mix, the missed kicks, I really liked what I saw from them yesterday.
1: Yeah, listen, I think early on, um, Brady didn't look good early on. There were a couple plays he missed wide-open Gronk. He missed a wide-open uh, Chris Godwin. Both of those plays could have potentially been touchdowns. Um, I think they're still struggling with identity on offense. I think that's a big part of it. I don't don't know what they want to be offensively. And I think, to me, that's a problem with Tampa Bay. You need to have some type of identity at this time of year. They don't have that. They have a lot of names, a lot of marquee names offensively. But I don't know who they are. Um, when you talk about identity on offense, and I think that could come back to bite them. Is it not being able to like, what are you talking about? Are you talking? Cause I hear identity thrown
0: around and I know you have something specific, but I'm asking for you to share that, that it's more specific. Is it, is it, Hey, what's your thing that I'm afraid of on third down? Like what, what exactly do you mean?
1: Yeah. So for me, I look at it as when I say identity, things that I know I can hang my hat on mm-hmm. um, some teams are running teams some teams are play action teams some teams are short quick you know quick passing game type of teams. I don't know what Tampa is. they like to chuck it deep you know sometimes they'll you know they try to run it sometimes they'll try to the quick passing game, but I don't know if they do any of it well where you can look at it and say, okay, coming I know what this Tampa Bay team is. I just don't, I, I don't see that when I watch them. It's kind of funny how when Brady
0: gets upset and it was a couple of weeks ago in that Saints loss where he was getting upset with Evans on like a hot route. And he was, he was actually more composed during that one. But what's that experience like? Cause I mean, as I know it was a long time ago with you and Brady, but, and he's probably a little different now than he was back then. But what's that? Like, like, what what's a teammate willing to allow happen on the sideline when they know it's somebody that's heated? I'd imagine 20 years of Brady, like, he's got a little bit of leeway here with the resume, but I think some people look at that, and they can – with the with the way we talk about things in today's age, it, it almost feels like people are like, oh, man, I can't believe he's going at these guys this way. And you're like, really? Is it that big of a deal? Or maybe sometimes it's just processed differently depending on who the guy is, and that's what leads to some of the questions about it.
1: Yeah, I've never I, – I think if you ask most players, they don't really have a problem with the quarterback, you know, you know, kind of have a little piss and vinegar about him like Brady does. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure the guys out in Tampa look at Tommy like and say, look, this guy's been in nine Super Bowls, won six. Like, this guy works works r- really hard at his craft. It means a lot to him. So he he's 43. We need to step our game up because he can't do it all on his own. This is not Tom – you know, thirty year old Tom, thirty-five year old Tom. This is forty-three year old Tom. So as much as a competitor that he is, he can't carry a team. He needs guys around him to do that. And um, so I don't think guys really get frustrated when Tom like goes berserk. I, I don't I don't see that. You brought
0: up a really good point, the the attrition of football, and and I'll point it out all the time, like, you know, a team could be three different versions of themselves just based on who's available to play throughout the entire season. So some of the stats now built up over week fourteen, you may not look as good defensively, but it could be you were a really bad team in the first month. It could be schedule, it could be a bunch of different things. So forget statistics. You watch a Sunday. Who do you think has the best defensive group right now in the league?
1: I still say the Saints. I mean, I, I think I think, outside of what they did against Philadelphia, I, I think the Saints are – they're legit on all three levels. Like, not many teams can say we got some playmakers on all three levels of their defense. The Saints have that. They got guys that can cover man-to-man, zone. They got linebackers that can run, hit, cover. And they got pass rushes on the defensive line. So – um outside of what the what the Saints did against the Philadelphia Eagles, I'm still going with the Saints as the best team, best defense in the league. Do you have a favorite offensive lineman? Oh, um I got two. I got two. I love watching Quentin Nelson. Big Q is always he's he's a show every week. And then um and now I like watching the rookie, Makai Becton. Um, yeah, the Jets kid. He, yeah, yeah. He is Um, – we're from the same area back in Virginia, and uh, he's just fun to watch, man. He, he, guys that big shouldn't be able to move like that. And he, he's, he's like a highlight reel type of guy playing on the offensive line. So I would say those two guys.
0: You root for the Jets more than any other team, correct? I, I do I, because I just – you get because more upset about I, them. I know I know I, it's not the Lions. I think you like the Pats a little bit. But you get worked up about the Jets every Sunday.
1: Yeah, well, see, like, with the Pats, like, I don't worry about the Pats. Like, they're in good shape. Like, they got great management, great coach. They're in good shape. They're in good hands. With the Jets, it's like, okay, when I was there, we were really good. And then all of a sudden, they've just been awful for a decade. And it's just frustrating because you look at the moves – that they've been making throughout the years and it's just like what are you guys doing like I could give you better better advice than, than whoever's telling you what to you know what to do right now and it's just bad man it's bad when you you play for an organization and and I like a lot of people within the organization but they just can't get out of their own way that's the and that's the frustrating thing
0: well it's almost over is all i can tell you as a jets fan it's almost over
1: well i will say this i think they got the right general manager in place and joe douglas yeah i'm a big fan of joe douglas i think he's he's turning the ship around so I, i will say that
0: i agree with you and anybody that like just attaches him to all the other failures i don't think that that's fair uh always love talking to you, buddy talk to you soon
1: all right man thanks a lot
0: 2020 is the year of cancellations, and as the holidays arrive, we'll be saying farewell to one more tradition, work holiday parties. But it turns out most of us never really like those parties anyway. And with work parties canceled, we can get something we actually want for the holidays, more time with our real friends, or as we call it, Miller time. Least part of holiday work parties. um, I think just the pressure of it, the pressure of those of you listening where your significant other is inviting you to the work crew. And you just don't know what your approval rating is there. You just don't know. Uh, For me, it would just be endless stories about sports, but it wasn't really any questions. It was people asking me questions to give me their answers before they ever heard mine. So I'm not going to miss it. Take away the forced fun of work holiday parties and what you have left is Miller time with the people who you actually want to have a beer with. To give work holiday parties the proper send-off, Miller Lite is teaming up with visual artist Alex Prager for a full exhibit called Farewell, work holiday parties. Why? Nothing says farewell to an old tradition like seeing it in a museum. To celebrate all of that extra Miller time with your real friends this season, whether it's virtual or not, get great tasting. Less feeling Miller Lite delivered by going to MillerLite.com and find the delivery options near you. Tis Miller time. And if you're in L.A., check out the farewell work holiday parties at the exhibit. The exhibit is at the Los Angeles County Museum of Art. L-A-C-M-A. LACMA is what we're hearing. This season, that's running from November 21st all the way until January 7th. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces.
1: You want details? Bye. I drive a Ferrari 355 Cabriolet. What's up? I have a ridiculous house in the South Fork. I have every toy you can possibly imagine. And best of all, kids, I am liquid. So, now you know what's possible. Let me tell you what's required.
0: Life advice rr at gmail.com. I think I'm going to read a couple follow ups because, um, we had a couple follow ups, and I i don't normally want to turn this into like a Reddit thread of hey, let's all just chime in and all this stuff. But one guy was really fascinated about the, the female who wrote in about the guy who had the trench coat that nobody liked, and he goes, You know, you left out a really important part that that guy should be thrilled. That they broke up considering she was that mad about a trench coat, which I thought was interesting, but that's not really advice. So I'm giving you a shout out, sort of. Uh then another one, this one, I gotta be honest, you kinda annoyed me a little bit. Um, I'll leave the name out. This was after we had the IT guy that said he was hooking up with the girl that had an Air Force guy. When I say something like, oh, he's an Air Force, I'm doing it for the line. So understand that. Like it's still entertainment here. And, and some of you guys take everything so Fucking seriously, that I don't know how you operate during the day, and that's not necessarily what happened here. But it's like, hey, in regards to the life advice you provided to the IT bro and accountant, I've never been a, par- uh, I've been a paralegal in the military justice system for a while. Ryan's assertions to become the boyfriend was an airman and not a rugged marine. He was probably okay to tell the guy, man to man, he's been sleeping with his girlfriend. Was not a great take. Okay, <laughs> one of the first classes I did was in, uh, was a signal soldier. Nerds that set up satellites in order for military personnel to have the internet in remote locations. He chopped up his wife and buried her in a tough box, hard plastic box with your gear. You get, okay, all right, all right, look. This guy doesn't get it. If if that's what we're going to do in life, like, like well, imagine if I said, uh, you know, don't con- date don't construction, guys. I know one. He killed a guy. You know, like, we could all find a way to make anything any scenario like no 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 no. i heard a story about a guy or i knew a guy that did that like we can all do that and again to make it more seriously he was saying that during this time the military is even more stressed out because of covid and all this stuff. hey man not there's never been a moment i haven't had all the respect in the world for the guys that actually go out there and do something especially the guys deployed they're facing real shit and putting themselves out there all right so um for anyone that felt that, the reason I'm bringing it up because I know there's a lot of military that do listen to this. Uh, I don't know. I'm I, I just following up so that people kind of understand. And I, you know, I didn't really love that email. As if like, oh, I have a horrible story about a guy in the air force. You know, like, oh, okay, like, hey, do you? I got to get some landscapers around here. I don't know. I read the story about a landscaper in Texas. I might want to think twice. All right, let's get to the advice parts. All right, younger brother. uh, some advice from my younger brother, late thirties. He's in his mid thirties. He's in the trades, master electrician, uh oh, <laughs> homeowner. He's pretty stressed about no wife, no kids, having never had trouble meeting cute girls, but he is frustrated, frankly, angry and bitter. Well, I'm sure he's a just a charmer to date then. Uh, he gets angry and bitter when the relationship doesn't go further than three months. I figured he would eventually calm down, change his scene, figure it out, but it hasn't happened. My approach was to be positive, not give specific advice, just light thoughts and occasional reality. Um, He's basically saying his brother would be like, hey, you told me that this girl wasn't perfect for 30 minutes. No one is. Why is that a deal breaker? Really? I love this line. My wife is impressed at how he does have a high opinion of himself. <laughs> yeah a lot of us i don't know i don't know how that works cuz i don't really that's that's not my hang up i don't i don't go like oh this person isn't perfect i just kind of i have a lot going on and i don't know like i guess i'm getting more comfortable being by myself but that's uh that's not today's podcast i kind of love that we should we don't we should just go hey this is what you do this is your living This is your current situation. These are your future prospects. And you're probably like a mid-level, you know, salary guy. You're not a max guy. You're like a mid-level. Or maybe you're two with a team option, you know? Like, be realistic. I love, I have a couple friends that have done it where they just go, yeah, you know, this is the best I could do. We get along. She's cute. Like her dad. Don't like her mom. (laughs) Want to have kids? Think she'll be a good mother? You know, they don't have any money she's not really going to work but that's okay too you know it shouldn't just be about money it shouldn't just be about your partner's career but if we were really really being honest about all of these things that we never we just it's not nice to be honest about these you go yeah this is probably probably the best that you'll do <laughs> so if your brother is thinking that he's going to start dating women from Brazil that cover soccer that's probably not going to happen although i don't even know if that's his interest all right so He said that his mom and the sister are pretty manipulative. So that's to he and the brother really use people for their own satisfaction. Whoa, some sting, stinging sentence right there. It was hard for me to come to realize this. Lots of talking and soul searching. Shout out to you. Both my brother and I have cut our sister out of our lives. Ouch. But my mom is really involved in his life. Mom decided when I got married and had kids, I wasn't much used to her. So she dropped me more than I pushed. Oh, so she dropped me. Then I pushed back. Sorry. Our mom is involved with my brother, and I think she's intentionally sabotaging his relationships. The most dramatic story is she brought him—oh, she bought him a membership to a dating site last year. He isn't a computer guy, so he asked uh, to set up his account. I did. Then my mom started helping him check his account, so she started setting up dates. So he went on her first date, and this girl was expecting him to be my mom, and he was expecting her to be whatever my mom told her about her impressions. All right, that's a little bit misleading. I'm sure she didn't say like, "Hey, I'm a 50 year old." woman let's meet up for coffee she was basically expecting the personality to be the mom's personality with the brother are you following me kyle because this is yeah, i, I got you it's it a little weird it and, seems like
1: there's some emotional pains from the uh actual I like writer too, email so but quite. i like it too.
0: yeah i think the writer is is on point i don't I I think he's pointing out a lot of good stuff here. So basically he's saying the mom was setting it up and she's talking to the girl and then the guy shows up with a different personality than, um, this is what I'm assuming here, than the mom who was doing it. This is fucking really weird, by the way, all right? Um, He said the date was a disaster and then he asked me to close the account. I did. The question is, should I talk to my brother about my mom? Should I leave it alone and trust he'll figure it out? (laughs) All right, you know, I used to, um, when I was younger, I would introduce who I was dating to my mother. And then I stopped because my mother would like immediately become best friends. And then one time there was a girl that I was dating and then we broke up. And then, I don't know, a year later I'm dating somebody and I wanted to bring her back to Martha's Vineyard for a weekend in the summer, which makes a lot of sense. Like one of the cool things about dating somebody from Martha's Vineyard is like, Hey, do we ever get to go there and visit? Uh, Not that I would really ever want to stay at my, my family's house with my girlfriend, but my mother let my ex move in. Oh, get I was out. like, you guys, yeah, I was like, you guys don't think this is remotely fucked up? They're like, oh, whatever. It's not a big deal. She needed help. We all get along with her. Your sisters get along with her. She's like, yeah, it's cool. Ha- you can meet up for lunch. So I would come home and then the girl I was dating was like, I can't come back with you this weekend. And I'd be like, well, actually you can't because it's super awkward. My ex lives there. And the the mom mom or dad you know it's not like dads aren't guilty of getting involved somehow but it's just it's not it wasn't cool it was totally and then i would try to say like hey i can't believe you guys didn't okay this with me or like she needed and then i'd ask my ex, like why are you doing this like rent a fucking apartment and then you know i knew she was trying to stay in the mix come on kid who are we kidding so (laughs) mom's being involved historically is not worked out. Scholars have argued this for centuries that you just, I mean, unless you're some sort of dowry, um, uh, you know, we're we're past that. We're not trying to join tribes and castles here. So I don't know why it'd be hard for you to talk to your brother about this. Like why can't you just go, hey, dude, mom sucks with this stuff. Done. And by the way, tell him to chill the fuck out. Because if he's just gonna be angry and bitter that after three months it's not on family time. Like this is one of those deals I know exactly what's happened. His not to go all crystals on you here but his vibe his energy women pick up on this stuff way better than men do if he's doing a mental countdown of impatience about wanting to be in that relationship that's now the next chapter of his life if he wants it so the chances are like wanting that really bad like that it doesn't work careers pursuing Sometimes things happen when you least expect it, but it makes sense more with a career. But in relationships, if you're like, dude, I just want to be married and have kids like you're going to come off as a psycho without even maybe even realizing. It. <laughs> so I would tell him to try to dial that back. And a lot of times in life, again, when you just sort of relax, and go, OK, cool, this is where I'm at. we will figure it out. And also, you guys collectively need to stop getting so stressed out about the pandemic impacting your dating life. Like, no, no kidding. It's, it's a lot harder now. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you're alone more. I'm sorry that it sucks. I'm sorry that you can't go to bars. I'm sorry. You know what I mean? Like, but you guys just got to suck it up. You do. That just, I just took care of 30 emails on that one. It's been tough dating during COVID. No shit. You know?
1: Word. Why are you even trying?
0: <laughs> yeah. Like, you, <laughs> I, I mean, you know, rent more movies. I don't know what to tell you. It's hard. So, yeah, I don't I don't think there's a time. I mean, I spent way too long on that, as always, but yeah, that mom part. There's no there's nothing about this where I went, yeah, good plan. That checks out, good stuff there. <laughs> Tell them to 180 this thing. Expect nothing, be stressed about nothing, and leave the mom out of it. Long time listener, first time writer. This is about my brother. We'll call him Andy and his wife, who we'll call Angela. Wait, are they from Scranton? Okay. So Andy tells me that he's now in an open marriage, and like most men, he seems ecstatic. <laughs> okay. I asked how he managed to pull that one off, and he tells me that it was her idea. He said there are a few rules there, though. Uh, no friends, no questions, single people only. The whole situation seems suspect. I assumed she was feeling guilty about cheating, and that's why she suggested it. Fast forward a couple of weeks and a coworker of mine whose wife works with Angela tells me that everyone in the office knows that she's in an open marriage, but she's been sleeping with her supervisor Dwight for a few months. Dwight is 12 years older, has been married for 14 years and definitely not in an open marriage. Since then I've heard some same rumors about numerous people. Angela has always been distant from our side of the family. So there's not much love there and their marriage is based on them getting pregnant a few months after dating. Um, not sure what to tell him without seem like I'm trying to ruin a marriage or let it go because of, it's kind of what he signed up for. I've thought about sending flowers to their house signed by signed by Dwight. <laughs> uh, do we think this is fake? Not fake, or, right? This is just him doing. Like, yeah, right, right. This is him doing the shtick, but this is real without giving right. us all the names we have to edit out. Okay, so let's just imagine it is real. And obviously he is using the characters from The Office. If your wife suggests an open marriage, you're probably in some trouble. There's probably some stuff that you don't want to know. And as much as it's the concept, like you're some 2020 harem guy, uh, you really want your wife like hanging with the trainer who's 15 years younger than you and way better looking. I don't know if that trade-off is, like, if you really care about each other, like that joke of you get your one a year or something like that, which I don't even know is real. I don't know, whatever. Um, I've never, I've never been involved. I'm, again, I'm not, I've never been married, but the idea that like, hey, you're allowed to cheat on me once a year. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs>
1: okay. Definitely won't think about that.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait a minute, though. Are are you going to hook up with like a neighbor or something? It's like, well. And I just be like, look, no, no, like, I can't do that. I can't. Hey, Doug, you guys, you guys cleaning out the pool early this year. I know you slept with my wife, but it's cool. We get one a year. I was out in Tahoe. So you know how that goes. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't know what to do here. Uh, I would I would just say for any of our married guys out there listening, if your wife is like, hey, I got a crazy idea then it means you're probably already in trouble unless you're just this super, super futuristic couple that understands like the animal needs of, of primates. And you're just like, no, no, this is, this is how we operate. And we're totally good. And we're totally good with it emotionally. Like we, there's no conflict here whatsoever. Like, all right, weirdos, probably not going to let your kid watch TV until he's like 16. Right. One of those, one of those families, (laughs) again, that might be the right thing to do. (laughs) you know because there's somebody listening right now being like oh we don't let our kids watch tv i'm like yeah i know that's cool but i'm just saying it's also weird all right i think we've done enough work here life rr at gmail.com please uh, make sure you check out the podcast hey we got um comedian coming up wednesday right that's locked in locked in locked in uh one of the funniest guys going right now he's going to join us wednesday secret but it won't be a secret when the podcast comes out. So make sure you subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to the Ryan Russo Podcast and follow him on Spotify. Thanks as always. Talk to you once